Hi everyone, please open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12 verses 1 through 11. Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 11. Uh, so far in the book of Hebrews, from chapters 1 to 10, the author has been telling the Jewish Christians the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus is better than everyone and everything. You can't win. None of us can win against Jesus. Then in the remaining chapters, 11, 12, and 13, he tells us the response to the gospel of Jesus. So the reality of the gospel, now the response to that gospel. And that's where we land today in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 11. Uh, before we read our text, let's pray to God and ask for his blessing. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, thank you so much for your word. Would you bless the reading and preaching of your word for your glory and the purity and edification of the church? Would you help us to not only hear your words, but to do them? Um, how, how we all need your help in that way. Would you help us to see Jesus? And in our response to seeing him, help us to run after him with everything. May we receive the grace and peace that we need and may we enjoy your word and may you be glorified at this time. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Hebrews chapter 12 verses one through 11, I wanna remind you that this is the word of God. Hear now the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons, my son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves and chastises every son whom He receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father's spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, 
but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If a salesman were to sell you a product that he didn't believe in, that product is probably not worth buying. But if a salesman were to sell you a product that he was willing to stake his life on, then that product is probably significant. And in verse 1, we don't see salesmen wanting something from the Jewish Christians and willing to stake their life on it. We see witnesses who want to give something to the Jewish Christians and have already staked their lives on it. Chapter 11 is full of witnesses who stake their lives in faith towards God. And so the author tells the Jewish Christians, since we have so great a cloud of life-giving witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I just want to look at three things. I want to look at the reason for endurance, the reason for exhaustion, and the reason for encouragement. The reason for endurance, the reason for exhaustion, and the reason for encouragement. The Christian journey of faith is a lifelong race. And there is a way to run that race that makes it super discouraging and there is another way to run that race where you are enduring there's a way that tends to christian exhaustion and there's a way that tends to christian endurance and we see that in verses one to two look at what the author says he says therefore since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason and the way Christians run with endurance is Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, fixing our eyes on, not, on both the person of Jesus and the work of Jesus. The author and perfecter and the one who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God both the person and the work of Jesus. He is not only the prize at the end, but He's what our eyes are fixed on all the way until the end. He helps us all the way there. So it's the end, the beginning, the middle, the means. Why and how do Christians run 
with endurance. They fix their eyes on who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. They see Him, the author and perfecter of their faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The reason the Christians run with endurance, the reason for endurance is Jesus. Jesus makes every step of faith worthwhile. So who is Jesus and what has he done? Why is he worth so many Christians dedicating their lives to? Why would Christians run after Jesus more than Buddha, Allah, an unknown higher power, or maybe more than nothing at all? Why Jesus? Why is he so important? And if you're a non-Christian today, that's, that's an important question to ask, right? The answer comes down to this. It's because of who he is and what he has done. So who is Jesus and what has he done? According to verse 2, Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endure the cross despising the shame and is seated at the right hand at the throne of god jesus is the founder the author perfecter of our faith but what does this mean the cross um, was a tool used by the romans to shamefully execute criminals so if Jesus endured the cross, doesn't that mean Jesus was shamefully executed as a criminal? So why would anyone want to follow Jesus? And I'm going to try to answer that question in a short way by what the author has already been telling us in chapters 1 to 10 and even in our verse today. Yes, Jesus was shamefully executed by the Romans as a criminal. That is true. But that's also part of the reason why Christians follow him. He was shamefully executed by the Romans for a crime he did not commit. But for crimes you and I have committed. He did not die for the crimes that he has committed. He has died for the crimes we committed against God. In other words, Jesus bore the shameful crucifixion in our stead. He died the death that we deserve. He gave his life that we did not earn and he reconciled us to God. Well, that is amazing, but isn't Jesus dead? Why, why is he worth following if he's dead? Well, verse 2 also answers that. Verse 2 says, not only did he endure the cross despising the shame, but also 
he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In other words, he not only died for us, he resurrected from the dead, victorious over sin and death, and is seated in the seat of power and approval. He is at God's right hand. So why follow Jesus? Because no other quote-unquote gods, and certainly not nothing, has ever done something so wonderful for the world. Jesus has died the death that we deserve, gave us his life that we could not earn, and reconciled us to God forever in all that he requires of you is to believe in Him and follow Him. He is indeed the beginning and the end, the captain and completer, the founder and perfecter of our faith, and the reason for endurance is Jesus, because Jesus makes every step of faith worthwhile. That is the reason for endurance. But there is a reason for exhaustion. And the author tells us that in verse 1 as well. He writes that Christians can run with unnecessary weight and sin, which clings so closely on the NASB says, with sin that entangles us. If you want to run a marathon, you don't tie your shoelaces to one another and carry unnecessary weights. If you want to run a marathon, you want to run well and freely. Because if you don't, you will be exhausted. So the author commands and he says, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run Fixing our eyes on Jesus. Not fixing our eyes on anything else but Jesus. Looking towards Jesus. So the reason for endurance is Jesus. But the reason for exhaustion is because of weight and sin. It will make, they will make you exhausted. Jesus won't. He will make you endure. Jesus makes every step of faith worthwhile. And the temptation in this life as a Christian and as it was for the Jewish Christians is to forget that. To not look at Jesus but to look towards sin, to look towards unnecessary weight and to make us exhausted make Christians exhausted. But what verse 2 tells us is simply to look at Him, to look at Jesus. And then the author says in verse 3, Consider Him who endured from sinners such hostility against Himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The author's answer for not growing weary and not losing heart or being faint-hearted the author's answer for not being exhausted for not giving up 
is to consider Jesus. The medicine for exhaustion is considering Jesus. In verse 2, he said, look. Now verse 3, he says, consider. So if we put them together, Christians don't merely look at Jesus, but they really look at Jesus. They consider him. They think of him. They reflect on him. They consider him who has endured such hostility from sinners against himself. They consider Jesus. That's important. If you want to endure and not be exhausted, that's important. Because you don't take a one look at Jesus or a, a double look. You look always at Him. You consider Him. What happens if you don't? The author tells us in verses 45, he says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. He suggests that the Jewish Christians were going to be were tempted to essentially give up running this race, to struggle less against sin, to settle more with sin, to not care about the Lord's discipline or to despair from the Lord's discipline. The Jewish Christians were tempted to revert back to the old way of worship and living to essentially give up running after Jesus. Why? Because of the weight that they held, because of the sin that they committed and they clung to, because they didn't look at Jesus, because they didn't consider Him, and somehow all these things wrapped up and they were tempted to essentially give up. And maybe you're familiar with that temptation to give up. Have you been fixing your eyes on other things? Because that will tend to exhaustion and not endurance. And so the author reminds the Jewish Christians of the reason for encouragement. So before we look at this, I want to remind us of the two points we looked at so far. The reason for endurance is Jesus. And the author says simply to look at him. And then he further adds to consider him. So to really look at Jesus. Not just have an accessory of Jesus, but to really look at Jesus. To take the time out of your day that is necessary to look and consider Jesus. How do you do that? We can do that in ordinary ways. Reading the Bible, praying, going to church, worshiping with the saints, the partaking of the sacraments, fellowshipping, right? There's so many ways that are ordinary that God has told us in His Word. There's so many ways to look at Jesus, but that's what we got to do. Because looking at Jesus will motivate us to run after Him again. That's the reason for endurance. The reason 
for exhaustion could be anything that is an obstacle or that is weight from you running after Jesus. It could be sin. It, it is definitely sin. Um, and it's also maybe just not looking at Jesus, not considering Him, which can tend towards giving up to forgetting who you are, as the author says in verses 45. So the reason for endurance, the reason for exhaustion, and now we're going to look at the reason for encouragement. Look at what the author says in verses 6 to 11. He writes, For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but He disciplines us for our good, that we may share His holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So what is the reason for encouragement? The reason for encouragement is that God will not abandon His people. He will lovingly discipline them. The author tells the Jewish Christians that discipline is never solely a punishment for sins, but it is always, always a privilege for sons. Discipline is not to condemn them, but discipline is to confirm them as children, to confirm God's love for His children. In fact, the ones who should question whether or not they are children are not those who are loved through discipline, but are those who are left without discipline. So if you're being disciplined, it's a good thing. The Jewish Christians' earthly parents may discipline them the way they see as best, but their heavenly parent disciplines them the way that is best, full of purpose for their good, for their growth and holiness, for the fruition of righteousness. He disciplines His children for their sanctification and salvation, which are just fancy words for, for their becoming more like Jesus and their coming all the way to Jesus. The reason for encouragement is that God loves His children, and He will discipline them. I do want to remind you that this privilege of discipline is only for God's children. 
We have all sinned against God and fallen short of His glory, and because of our evil against the Most High, we all completely deserve the wrath of God. We know this already in our hearts, and this is our predicament. But the good news is that anyone who receives Jesus and believes in, believes in His name he gave you the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Anyone who believes in Jesus and what he has done, Jesus has taken away your sins and gave you his status, child of God. So children of God, children of faith, are you being disciplined by the Lord? I want to remind you, as the author has reminded us, that you have a privilege that illegitimate children do not have. Your aching or agony will not last, but your adoption will be everlasting. You are being confirmed, not condemned. Your Heavenly Father disciplines you for your sanctification and your salvation. He's making you more like Jesus and making you go all the way to Jesus. So let me summarize the three points again. The reason for endurance is Jesus Christ. We must look at Him and consider Him. If we are exhausted, the reason for exhaustion is weight and sin and not looking at Jesus. And one reason for encouragement is that God will never leave His children. He will discipline them if need be. So I do want to end with some practical applications. Um, the only application that I, I want us to focus on is looking at Jesus and considering Him. Looking at Jesus and considering Him. And I told you some ordinary ways to do that. You can read your Bible. You can pray. You can worship. You could fellowship with the saints. You can partake of the sacraments. You can pray with other believers and we do have we do have means for that so on Tuesdays and Wednesday every Tuesday we have men's prayer meeting on Wednesdays we have women's prayer meeting come join us pray so that you can look at Jesus again if you don't want to pray let other brothers and sisters pray for you there is cell group there are cell groups where you can fellowship with other believers worship with us on Sunday join us Come on time. Invite your friends. Invite your family. Read your Bible. I know that is, um, some, that is an ordinary way that is difficult for many people. Um, if you like a reading plan, you can reach out to the pastors. Um, reach out to a Christian friend of yours. Reach out to your Christian mentors. Um, if you like to read together, we'd love to read with you. There are very ordinary ways to look at Jesus and consider Him. And if you have a hard time doing that, 
you can also be surrounded by people who do that naturally. Those are some ways to look at Jesus and to consider him. Pastor John, Lord willing, will next week give us more specific applications starting at verse 12. The reason for endurance is Jesus. The reason for exhaustion is anything but Jesus. And the reason for encouragement is that God will not leave his children alone, but will discipline them for their good. I want to end with an illustration. Um, I got this illustration from a seminary friend of mine, and it is a very simple illustration, but it does the purpose. Um, at a theme park, there was this one tunnel that he went through, and this tunnel just seems like it's turning and twisting all the way around. And all you have to do is just walk straight down the middle to the end of the tunnel. My friend mentioned that if you want to not get through it well, the tunnel well, all you got to do is look around you because the turning and the twisting of the tunnel will make you fall and stumble like everyone else around you. But the simple way to walk straight is to look at the light at the end of the tunnel. Just look towards that light don't be distracted and go straight towards the light and you'll walk straight. That's essentially what the author of Hebrews tells us today. To look at Jesus. Do you remember him? Do you know who he is? Remember how you would give everything for him because he was no contest. He would always win. If you've forgotten who he was, look at him again and consider him. If you need help to look at him and consider him, get help. But don't let anything distract you from seeing your beloved one and your Savior and Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, um, there are many of us who are just exhausted, weary, wanting to give up. Father, it seems that the way we are this way is because we've been looking so much at everything else but your wonderful Son. We have been looking towards sin. We have been putting on ourselves unnecessary burden and weight. When all that's required, all that is needed of us is to simply look and consider Him and that naturally we will love him and follow him. But even in this simple task, Father, how much we need your help. Thank you so much for your word, which is clear. Thank you for the reason of our endurance, which is your son. Thank you for helping us to understand the reason for our exhaustion so that we can better combat it. And thank you for the reason for encouragement that you will never abandon your children, but you will love them even if it means disciplining them. Thank you that it does not depend on ourselves, but that it depends on you and you are rock solid. We love you, bless us, 
and may you receive glory as we finish this service. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.